This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle, just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year, and they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations. everyone, welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in the motorcycle industry right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler. And this week our guest is motocross and supercross champion turned GNCC and sprint enduro racer, Zach Osborne. This episode of Pit Pass Moto is brought to you by Moto America. Moto America is the home of AMA Superbike Racing and is North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2022 series and revisit all the action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and original video content. To view the complete 2023 Moto America race schedule, head over to MotoAmerica.com and be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for real time series updates. Well, Dave. This week on our All Access, thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about off-road rosters coming into the 2023 season. It seems like there was just a flurry of press releases that came out last week with all the major teams, all the pieces falling into the place for the off-road championships going into 2023. Anything that really stood out to you uh, from last week? I know uh, one of the coolest things I saw was the Johnny Campbell. Um, I guess it was like a they honored him for 30 years with American Honda. I mean, you think about that. I was thinking about it more earlier, and I'm like, that's pretty much unheard of. I can't think of one other racer that's pretty much spanned their entire career with one manufacturer. And not only did he ride Hondas for 30 years, but he won 11 Baja races. And we're talking back when he was riding a XR600 and eventually an XR650. But these were some beasts of, of motorcycle. And of course, on the East Coast, Scott Summers kind of did something similar on that bike. But Pretty amazing story. Yeah, it was a cool story. I saw that. And uh, hats off to Johnny Campbell Racing. That JCR team is back with Honda, I think, for the new year. So 31 years and counting as they go into 23. Yeah, it was uh, crazy, man. I, I'm i just so happy to see off-road that healthy to where you've got so many press releases coming out at the same time to talk about all their race teams. And these race teams are not small. I mean, this Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team is uh, what did I count? One, two, three, four, five, six riders. Yeah, they announced for the new season. Yep, it just seems like it's growing, and it's they're hitting all the disciplines. They're hitting GNCC. They're hitting Works. They're hitting Sprint Enduro. They're hitting this uh, NGPC, the National Grand Prix Championship Series, with their riders. So it's uh, it's cool to see it that healthy. I guess it's uh, it's kind of surprising to me. I guess without looking at it over the over the years, I didn't realize just how big it was. Yeah. I've always thought that the off-road side of things, even though like you and I both came from the moto side, that off-road just gives you that bang for the buck. You know, it just seems like you show up at a, even a local level, you could probably get an hour and a half to two hour race. There's not as much sitting around, you know, the motocross track, we all know, you know, you, there's a lot of waiting, you know, between motos. And so 
yeah, off-road just seems to be alive and well. I think COVID even kind of exacerbated that. A lot more people started to get out and explore on, on their own. Uh, but back to what you're saying, I mean, for the KTM group, between KTM, Husqvarna, and Gas Gas, we're talking there's got to be six to eight riders for each team. So uh, the KTM group's all in on off-road, that's for sure. Yeah, and it kind of syncs up with their brand, so it makes good sense. And uh, they come into that uh, 2023 season pretty healthy now. Ben Kelly's recovered, so he's going to go back to XC1. And uh, the interesting thing to me that I noticed with uh, the KTM team and the Husqvarna team is a lot of the top guys are actually going to be riding the 350 four-stroke in the premier classes and not the 450. Now, when you go out west, obviously, they ride a lot of 450s because of the horsepower, right? Yep. Makes good sense. But coming back east and even that Enduro Cross series, I think you're seeing a lot of these guys on the 350 four-stroke. So that's it's kind of interesting to me. That just kind of shows how far that bike has come since 2011 when it first came out. I know I rode a few from the first year and, you know, I wasn't blown away, but uh, they've really, really invested time and effort into redesigning that bike and making it, you know, quite the weapon for these guys to go into those premier classes. Yeah, it seems like it's the perfect bike, kind of splits the difference between the 250 four-stroke and the 450 four-stroke to where when you're going three hours like they are in a GNCC, I can see where that 350 would kind of split that difference where it's a little bit lighter, a little more nimble, probably going to not be such a beast to muscle around the woods for three hours. And so... Kind of makes sense. And then, like you're saying, they seem to have a bike for everything. And then you go to the uh, extreme Enduros, and you've got that 300 and two-stroke, and that thing just seems to be like the perfect weapon for that series as well. So the KTM group definitely uh, seems to be supporting off-road, obviously, pretty heavily with their three brands. Of course, new to KTM, uh, alongside Ben Kelly, will be Johnny Gerrard, one of the New England Rippers, moving up to XC1. So we got an all-New England XC1 class for Factory KTM coming into next year for GNCC. And uh, on the West Coast for works, we've got Dante Oliveira, Taylor Robert, and they're going to be joined by Dante's brother, Mateo Oliveira. And uh, of course, Tristan Hart returns for U.S. Hard Enduro and Enduro Cross for his third year on the team. Yeah, I think he's kind of the goat of that Hard Enduro series. He's, uh, he's kind of hard to beat, kind of dominates it. So speaking of the KTM brands or the Austrian brands, the Enduro Engineering Gas Gas team has got Mackenzie Tricker. She's going to join uh, WXC and GNCC, which is pretty cool. And Josh Toth, he's going to ride XC1. He finished sixth last year, so he's definitely a weapon in that class. So good to see uh, these guys go at it for the Enduro Engineering Gas Gas team. Not the factory team, but this is a kind of an aftermarket team. The factory team is going to be made up of Thad Duvall, who uh, finished 10th in XC1 last year. He's going to go at it in XC1 again this year. And Ryder Lafferty is going to ride XC2. He finished uh, P2 in XC2 last year, so good on Ryder. So that's your gas gas teams going into 2023. That's funny. It just seems like musical chairs, you know, to to go back to that again, because a lot of these riders are, it's almost like they're switching seats, you know? Like, for example, Yamaha, we got Ricky Russell, who was at the Coastal team last year, gas gas team. Now he moves back to the Ampro Yamaha team and will be their XC1 rider. And then XC2, we've got Liam Draper and a surprise rider that we probably will be having on the show as a guest here in a few minutes um, in XC2. And then uh, Rachel Archer, who's the uh, WXC champion, reigning champion, she'll be back in a, on a Yamaha as well. So yeah, lots of moving around. Uh, another rider that was went from Ampro to Honda will be Mike Witkowski. So he moves to Phoenix Honda for next year. And after a couple of years with uh, Ampro Yamaha, and he'll be alongside Rui Barbosa and Cody Barnes. So yeah, like I said, lots of switching around going on. 
Speaking of switching around, the guy I like to talk about, because he's kind of the fan favorite, and he's playing a little bit of Ken Roxon. He's being real coy about saying where he's going to go this next year. But Stuart Baylor, one of my favorite racers of all time, because he's such a such a good dude and super fast. Uh, you know, like you said, he left that Ampro team, but um, he's not saying what he's going to do. I saw a couple uh, mentions in interviews and short blurbs on social media, and he's kind of winking at a KTM private deal. But who knows where Stu's going to end up? But I, I just know wherever he goes, he's going to be, you know, competitive and then top five of that XC1 class. Yeah. You know, the media follows him wherever he goes. He's just a great character for our sport and uh, just always seems to have something going on, whether it's hilarious, you know, outrageous, whatever. That's just his personality. And so it's always good to see him lining up. Now, I've, I think I have heard a rumor that his brother, Grant Baylor, this year's Enduro champion, could possibly be moving over to the Babbitts Kawasaki team alongside Josh Strang and uh, GNCC XC2 champion Lyndon Snodgrass. So that was some interesting news. And then current GNCC champ Jordan Ashburn, haven't heard anything more, but I assume he'll probably stick with his Magna One Motorsports Husqvarna team. Everything seemed to really click for him this year and good on him. So yeah, I think that's pretty much everybody, oh, except for Husqvarna. So yeah, I'll let you take the Husqvarna one day. So who we got going for Husqvarna for next year? We've got quite a list. We've got uh, Craig DeLong, who finished second in XC1 last year. He's going to go back to GNCC, race XC1, and uh, he's going to ride a 350. He's going to ride the FX model, which is kind of makes sense. And he's also going to hit National Enduro. So Craig will be on that Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory team, along with Trevor Bollinger, who's going to ride uh, XC1 also and move to National Enduro. So he's, uh, he's going to ride the 350 also. So uh, good for Trevor. Austin Walton is going to go out west to the NGPC, which I mentioned before. That was the National Grand Prix Championship Series and the Western Hair Scramble Series. He's going to ride the 450. Uh, Dalton Shirley also is going to ride those same series. He's going to take his uh, number one plate on the 450. Colton Haker is uh, going to be in U.S. Hard Enduro in the Enduro Cross Series, and he's going to split duties between the 350 and uh, Enduro Cross and the 300 fuel injected bike in Hard Enduro, along with Ryder LeBlanc. So. That is your Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory team, and it's loaded with talent and just unbelievable number of riders on that team. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, they seem like they've just really like focused on handpicking these riders. Dalton Shirey was, uh, you know, he was a factory Husky rider a couple of years back, and then now he's two-time Heron Hound champion, so they brought him back on board to do NGPC, and I would assume he'll try and defend his Heron Hound title as well. But then Ryder LeBlanc, who's I think is one of the most exciting riders coming up. I got to see him at the Boise Enduro Cross round. And boy, he just is, he's young, he's aggressive, super nice, well-spoken kid, but he just is not afraid to jump stuff that I've, other riders seem like they're, you know, he, he pushes the boundaries, let's put it that way. So good on Husqvarna for picking up a couple new riders and uh, kind of filling those voids that they might've had. And um, it's going to be a pretty exciting 2023 off-road season. That's for sure. Definitely go out and watch some. Those GNCC races are just epic, and they go for two days. You got ATVs on Saturday, bikes on Sunday, and it's nonstop action. It is full moto speed through the woods. If you haven't been to one, definitely go check it out. It is pretty cool racing. Well, I thought I'd bring up one other thing since we're on the subject of off-road. Um, I read recently the 2023 Dakar route has been released, and uh, for the 45th edition of the Dakar Rally, which will be the first round of the FIA and FIM World Rally Championship, It'll begin December 31st of this year and go through January 15th. So it will be the fourth time that the event has been held in Saudi Arabia. And uh, this year's event sounds like it's a pretty exciting course. They're starting on the beaches of the Red Sea on the west coast of Saudi Arabia. And then after nearly 5,000 kilometers and 14 stages, 
The winner will be crowned on the shores of the Persian Gulf in Dammam on the opposite coast. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is they're going to spend three days in what's called the Empty Quarter, which is a part of the uh, Saudi Arabian Peninsula that is, uh, it's kind of further to the south, but it includes tons of sand dunes and it's just mile upon mile of just open desolation. So pretty amazing route, as always. It's one of the toughest races in the world. Sleep is a rarity, strategy a must. And uh, I feel like uh, according to what they said, it'll be the longest course since 2014. And so it's going to be a pretty wild race. Some of the ra- ra- Americans to follow this year in this Dakar will be Skylar Howes, who we had on the show, Ricky Brabeck, Mason Klein, and Jacob Argybright, who we also had on this show. So looking forward to following these Americans in the Dakar in 2023 here starting the end of the month. And uh, for those out there interested in following along, they can uh, watch it on Red Bull TV to catch all the action. We're excited to welcome to the show motocross and supercross champion, Zach Osborne. Zach, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, guys. So tell us about new ride, new life challenge. How did this idea and uh, resulting ride with Ampro Yamaha to race off-road come about? Well, it's kind of always been one of my ambitions was to go off-road racing. Um, At some point in my career, it's sort of been like a passion project or a side hobby for me my whole motocross and supercross career. And um, yeah, I was approached by Randy and Yamaha to go full-time and kind of make a real effort at it and um it seemed like the right thing to do so uh i jumped on it thought maybe it was all that riding with uh with Stu baylor that had to have rubbed off you know it seems like you were destined for off-road you know when i saw that some years ago yeah i've done quite a bit of riding with Stu, and that kind of week that you probably saw most of the video from was what put me in the position to go to six days and like i said it's always kind of been on my list to give it one proper effort at least um going off-road racing in a full-time position so this is really cool for me so it sounds to me like zach like you had some some unfinished business behind your return to racing because i I think a lot of people that were unsure if you're fully retired or if there was kind of this off-road in the back of your mind in the works tell us how this kind of came about were you doing a little soul searching this last summer and you're just like i need to go racing Yeah, I mean, uh, I just never felt completely done. You know, 2022 this year was kind of my plan or my my wife and I's plan for my last year of full-time professional supercross and motocross. And we obviously didn't get to do that. And 2021 was kind of a shambles as well. So this was something, you know, a return to some form of racing. I I think the ship has sailed for me as far as full-time supercross and motocross racing goes. Uh, You know, it's just such a high level of commitment and what it takes to to be at the top level in in that realm is kind of past me you know i'm 33 now but this gncc off-road deal seemed to really fit kind of our lifestyle and where we're at and just you know kind of seemed to really make sense for us yeah no doubt it seems like i know i've been to a lot of gnccs it's such a more laid-back situation then it's got to be a lot different for the racer compared to your past motocross and supercross venues but how are you physically going in the new year is this going to be different demands on you physically than you were used to in supercross are you prepared for that yeah so for me right now i'm just working on a lot of like mid-range stuff my heart rate's considerably lower um, riding off-road and woods compared to motocross i think mainly because of the g load and the overall stress of it all is just a little bit different. So I'm working on a lot of like mid zone cardio 
that's something that I've never really, really focused on at all. It's always been super high, uh, super high end stuff like on the supercross track or, you know, super low end stuff to recover on the bicycle and uh, in the gym. So for me, it's it's a bit of a shift. It's it's cool, though, because uh, because I've never worked on it. It's easy to make improvements and see gains and really just kind of enjoying uh, a new look at things. And I understand with this new deal, you're in uh, XC2 this year. So this is great because you can kind of get the flow of, of what a season's going to be like in GNCC. And then you've got the option to move up into XC1 next year. Is that correct? Yeah. So my deal is uh, 2023 is in XC2. And then I'll race the, um, I can't think of exactly what it's called, but the equivalent of XC1 in the Sprint Enduros. And then um, in 2024, I'll be full-time in XC1 GNCC and uh, also some Sprint Enduros in that year too. So you know, these guys, I've been doing this a long time. They grew up doing off-road and GNCC style riding just as I did uh, in motocross and supercross. So I just felt like for me to jump in right at the, the very deepest end, which is XC1, um, would be a bit of a big ask. So for me, it just kind of made sense to get my feet wet with XC2 for a year, hopefully get some decent results and then put myself in a position to move up for uh, 24. Yeah, and it's it's got to be a good way to kind of prepare you mentally to go from, you know, getting used to it and then going into the, into the other class. But, uh, for you mentally going into off-road, you've got experience obviously from ISDT and you did great there. You guys finished, I think, second on your team, the world trophy team back in what, 2012 or 13, I think it was. Yeah. 2013, we were second as a team. I think I was fifth or sixth in the E1 class. And then in 14, uh, I was on the team as well. We got second as a team, but that was no part of me because my bike stopped on the first day in the second test, I believe. So it was a pretty terrible time for me. But um, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed my, my six days career so far and I wouldn't mind to add to it. Before we finish today's episode, first we have a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle. Just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year. And they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations. So I'm curious to know, Zach, this last year as an ambassador for Husqvarna, you did some pretty fun stuff. You got to do some TV reporting for Supercross. You raced in Canada. Was that part of that, this sort of soul-searching process for you, trying all these different things and realizing, you know, I, I just I kind of feel better racing or I want to race? Um, yeah, I think it was just kind of what was kind of handed to me at the time, right? Like um, that was the position that they had for me and that was what they wanted to see me do. So it just kind of all made sense. and. That's where we landed. I, I enjoyed a lot of it. The TV gig was super, super tough for me. Just not really my thing. I mean, uh, I think if I could put the time into it and get some more reps and stuff, it would be a fun gig. But man, it was tough to just kind of be thrown in deep end with not a ton of guidance. Like uh, it, was, it was a pretty tough job, but all the respect to those guys who do it every weekend and make it sound and look really, really good. Yeah. That, how about that event at uh, Fox Hill in the UK with a vet motocross to nations? That looked like it was a good time too. Yeah, that was a blast. Uh, that was one of the one of the more fun events that I did all year just to get to go back to England um, where I spent so much time and get to see friends and, you know, what feels like family. And I hope to actually get to go back, you know, as long as everything's going good with, with the racing this year and whatnot, I, I hope to get to go back to the VMXDN again this, this uh, in 2023. 
So I'm curious to know, like on the on the subject of Europe, you know, because you spent so much time over there before coming back to the States and, and really, really launching your career full time here. I'm curious to know if it changed your outlook on life, like living in Europe, because personally, I, I lived in Europe for almost two years working for Alpine Stars. And after that, I felt like I just was a completely different person in the way I looked at things. You know, I loved trying different foods, you know, seeing the different places. So I'm just curious how that, if that changed your outlook on life. Yeah, I think it did. It kind of made me who I am today, really. Um, you know, when I went there, I had to really kind of spread my wings and grow up a lot really quick. And um, it's an experience that I wouldn't trade for anything, really. I, I mean, obviously, um, people are like, man, that was must have been so tough and blah, blah, blah. But I just embraced it and enjoyed it. And I still go enjoy going back there. And I still have tons of friends and people that I enjoy seeing there. And, you know, I I often miss like the European lifestyle, the slow paced and just, you know, everything seems to move at a different tick there. Um, I miss that sometimes. So for me, definitely was some of the better times of my life, you know, just a lot of fun, pretty relaxed and uh, pure racing. So speaking of that laid back uh, approach to things, and I've always felt you've been a, a rider with that sort of a, approach or attitude towards racing. I read something interesting about you. You picked up the Wim Hof breathing method as a as a training tool. I guess you could call it a training tool. Is that what it is? Or is it more of an attitude or a way to go about your exercise? I would say it's more of a training tool or, or a um, meditation piece or um, coping mechanism. I don't know what you, what you want to call it. Yeah, they say it gives you mastery over your nervous system, your immune system, your cardiovascular system. So I, I think that's probably the best way you describe it is meditation, I guess. You know, it gives you that uh, clearer head so that you can approach your next obstacle, I guess, in life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always like to see that uh, riders today talk a lot about the mental side of racing, you know, and it, like like I said before, I always felt you had that proper low-key attitude. Um, what's been your path to this side of the sport? I mean, is that something you've always been that way since you started racing back in, I think, what, 07? Is that something you've carried on your entire career? Or did you develop that over time? And, and how did that come about? Um, I would say I definitely, it's a development thing. I am probably more of an anxious, nervous type than most people realize off the bike. And riding has always kind of been an expression for me, like of, I don't even know how to say it, but just like my purest forms of gifts, I guess you would say. And I feel like I'm my most relaxed when I'm riding. So um, that's the biggest thing for me is just like, I, I enjoy riding. Racing makes me nervous, but you know, in the thick of racing, there's not much going on in my mind other than just the race. It's just a really peaceful spot for me. So I think that that's kind of what I learned to kind of lean into, especially at at my age now where I'm a little bit older and the days are, you know, winding down of getting to do this as a job and just mainly trying to stay grateful for the opportunities that I still have in the sport that are really good and really high level with good equipment and um, just a ton of fun. So that leads me to my next question. I want to ask you about that 2020 season. We talked about, you know, you've got that attitude that how you approach things. And it seems to be the 2020 season was obviously that was your winning season in the 450 outdoors, but it was so up in the air up until August when the season, I guess, finally did kick off and you had great success right out of the gate at Loretta's. I mean, how did you adapt to that? Because it was just a sudden change and then bam, nine races, we had to get these in. Was that just kind of the strangest race season for you, or was it uh, you just take it race by race, day by day? Um, well, I went into the season 
wanting to win a race, right? And then I won a race and then I won the next race and then I was the points leader and then I was the championship favorite. So for me, it was, I was kind of thrust in at the deep end right there. And um, I had to learn all kinds of new things like managing a 450 championship and a lot of other things. But the biggest piece was it was just kind of like preparation met opportunity. Um, I had a really good run at those, those Salt Lake grounds and was just really motivated after that. I had a huge injury right before the COVID stop and that put me in a, a dark place as far as like whether I wanted to continue or not and almost didn't end up going to Salt Lake, but did. And then it went really well. And then that kept me motivated for those sort of eight or nine weeks or whatever it was between the end of Supercross and the beginning of outdoors. And I think that I just came in kind of a little bit more fired up than anyone else did and um, was able to get off to a really good start and get the job done. So I've noticed that you seem like you've always been this a family first kind of guy. And uh, congratulations, by the way, on your birth of your third child here recently. Thank you. But yeah, it seemed like you have a really good support system. It means a lot to you. I mean, is that one of your biggest like things that drives you as a person and as an athlete? Yeah, it is, no doubt. I mean, I just kind of pride myself on my family, right? Like that's that's my greatest work so far uh, in life is being a family man, being a dad, being a husband, and um, I give them my all. So it's also an expression of, of my racing is just – if I can be better on the track, then that's going to be better for them. And I know that. And that kind of goes into all of the work that I do and is always in the back of my mind. I think you and I might have a similar background in that, if I'm not mistaken, your dad was a, a drag racer, right? A car drag racer? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So was my dad. So I was curious to know if if that had any influence on you starting racing, because it certainly did for me. My dad was like, he missed racing so bad that I think he just found a way, way to go to the races, and that happened to be dirt bike racing. And so I'm curious to know your story and uh, how much your, your dad influenced you and how you got started. Yeah, I mean, my dad was a huge influence on getting me started in, in riding and racing. Um, he raced most of my younger days from when I started to when I was probably, I want to say 13 or 14, he was still racing himself. So I don't know really why I went the motocross route instead of the drag racing route. Um, it just kind of found me, I guess, and progressed pretty rapidly. And um, my parents were willing to support me and put in the time that it took to make it happen. I still love drag racing. I watch, I watch it, I would say definitely more than my dad does now. It's something I'm still pretty keenly interested in and uh, enjoy following. That's awesome. Yeah, I still catch you once in a while, but probably not as much as, as you're into it. But uh, so you're 33, you said, and I feel like you still have a lot left in the tank. So wh what's your ultimate goal here with uh, with this off-road thing going forward and uh, into the future? Yeah, I really just want to have some fun. And, um, you know, obviously I would love to be a winner at some level, whether that's a championship or a race or, or whatever. I w want to enjoy this time with my family and take it all in. With motocross and supercross, you're always flying. You're always on the go. It's as soon as you can get home to continue training and as late as you can get to the race to train as long as you can. But with this, it opens up a little bit more opportunity to drive to the races and see some sights and just kind of enjoy the whole the whole process, I guess you would say. So for, for me, that's the main goal is just to enjoy it. I know if I'm enjoying it, they're enjoying it. We'll have some good success on the, on the racing side of things. That's the, the immediate future. Thinking about the distant future, you went to UK to the Vet Motocross Donations, which I think is a gateway to vintage racing. You might uh, be one of those guys who catches the bug. I don't know. But 
is there vintage racing or possibly vet racing in your future? Because uh, a lot of guys your age and, and a little bit older that uh, were former champions like to maybe go back to Loretta's, go back to the ranch eventually. Is that uh, something maybe in the back of your mind? Yeah, I would love to go back to Loretta's. I'm not sure that my wife will be that keen on it after this here GNCC tenor, um <laughs> at 35 or whatever I'll be. So we'll see. You know, I, I owe a lot of this opportunity to her. I've had, the, you know, they've been at home for a whole year. They've got a routine with, with school and with all the things. And now I've taken this job and disrupted it. So the next chapter after this one is, uh, is going to be their decision. Well, make sure you remind her that, uh, you know, they do take a break in GNCC in August for a reason because yeah. MX Sports is pretty busy that time of year. So Just for that reason, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's always that opportunity if you decide to roll the dirt bikes down to Tennessee, man, you can always do it. Yeah, you never know. You got to lobby her on that. I can't help you there, man. That's, <laughs> uh, that's just the way it goes. I'll tell her you said so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the guys at Pit Pass Moto say I have to go to Loretta's. <laughs> Zach, we can't thank you enough. We really appreciate you taking time to spend with us today, man. It's been great. And uh, congratulations on your new deal. Congratulations on being a dad again. That's that's cool, too. But if you want to take these last few minutes, because I, I did want to ask you uh, about sponsors and anybody you want to give a shout out to, now would be the time to do it. Yeah, I mean, just I want to say thank you to um, Randy Hawkins, the owner of Ampro Yamaha and Ziggy from Factory Connections for kind of pulling this deal together for me. It's really, really cool at this stage in my career, like I said, for them to be um, fully on board with taking me racing and also Fly for sticking around, uh, staying on board with me. We've got a long-standing relationship, I think like eight years now and um, looking forward to the future with them. And yeah, again, my wife are just kind of supporting me through this uh, this next adventure and um, looking forward to it. Awesome. And the best place to find you, Zach, on social media so people can check you out and check out your results this year? I'm not super active on social media. I'm kind of a slacker when it comes to that. But um, Instagram is probably the the most active place for me, um, at Zacho underscore 16. Awesome, man. We will definitely send people there. And uh, hopefully I'll see you out at the GNCC. I usually catch a few. And I'll make sure I stop by and say hey. But um, definitely good luck, man. Thanks, Thanks again for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me anytime. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog, listen to past episodes, and purchase your own Pit Pass Moto swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson and the production team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Sulecki. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.